family. I want to thank uh, North Little Rock First Assembly for that worship. Uh, that's so awesome that they are helping us out that way. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you worship there at home. Well, we're going to start our message, but before that, I have one more announcement that I forgot to ask Amy to announce earlier. Uh, this Sunday, this coming Sunday, Easter Sunday, we always have um, backdrops back there for you to take pictures. You can't come in the building because of the whole social distancing thing, but we will have a photo backdrop set up under the awning at the church, 1304 North Adams. If you want to come and take your family picture there, that does mean you're, some of you are going to have to get out of your PJs, but that's okay. Um, so you can take your picture there. Now, we do ask if there's a family up taking pictures, stay in your car, okay? We don't want to get in trouble for having more than 10 people here at a time. So just throughout the day, uh, it'll be there until dark. So come out and take your family picture. You can post that on Facebook. Tag the church in it so people know that you did that. Well, this Sunday, right now, is Palm Sunday. And I know some of you are saying, what in the world is Palm Sunday? It's a church holiday where we celebrate Jesus' triumphal entry. We have some friends that are going to show you what that means on a video right now. Hey, Tommy and Eddie, the Skid Guys here. Let's talk about Palm Sunday. Oh, you know that was a block party. Like all of these palm branches and cloaks on the ground. Probably like a big bounce house over at the Eastern Gate. It was a Jesus parade! And the disciples were all throwing candy out at everybody. <laughs> hey, you think Skittles are kosher? All right, I have no idea what kind of parties that you go to, but there were no biblical Skittles. Oh. Yeah, that's probably true. Oh, I bet it was Swedish fish because Peter was a fisherman. All right, there was a party, there was a parade, and Jesus rode it on a donkey, and that was called the triumphant entry. Yeah, and the crowd went wild! Yeah, Jesus! Yeah! Yeah! Yeah, um, let's not focus so much on the parade, but the after party. Oh, that sounds exclusive. Mm, not so much. Yeah, I can see it right now. Like uh, Peter and Andrew with a little late night karaoke. Ebony and ivory lives together in perfect. All right, it wasn't so much a late night party as much as it was the next day in the middle of the afternoon in a Jewish temple. Okay, oh yeah, a little afternoon vibe. Yeah, I can feel that, yeah. It'd be like a office karaoke. No, can, can, we, can we stop with the karaoke? No, let's just stop with the karaoke. No, when Jesus saw uh, what was going on, there was corruption in the temple, and he just started tossing furniture around. Hey, can we get the table? Yes. Oh, huh? Not how I would have done that, but no objections. Um, you see, when Jesus saw the corruption, he got a little ticked off. Yeah, righteous ticked off. Ignatian. God's okay with that. Jesus even said, you've turned my house of prayer into a den of thieves. Oh, that is harsh yet accurate. Mm. Yeah, it's like for the past three years, Jesus has been laying out this long feud. And in the temple that day, he lit the match. Boom, baby! The system of sacrifices, the countless rules, the brokenness of human race all turned upside down. But what Jesus was really doing in that moment was turning everything right side up. Yeah. No more animal sacrifices. Jesus would be the ultimate sacrifice. Instead of these external rules, he would change us internally. He would take our brokenness and make wholeness. And Jesus was just getting warmed up. Yeah, the curtain is about to rise on the greatest event in all of history, and that is worth celebrating. That is right. Uh, who brought the karaoke machine? <laughs> None of your business. Uh, 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 he's alive. Nope. He's alive. That's a spoiler. Uh, 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 That's for next Sunday. That is a
So I hope you got that. All right. Well, we're going to continue our series this morning on snapshots of Scripture. We've been going through the Bible section by section, just talking about what is in Scripture. What does it mean? And how do we apply that to our lives today? Well, this is our sixth message in this series. And we're going to talk about the letters, also known as the epistles. These are letters that Paul and John and Peter and James and an unknown writer wrote to the church telling them how to live this Christian life out. How do we live out this thing that we've started? Um, and so, you know, many times we try to figure out how do I put how do I put my faith in practice? How do I put it at work? And so we're going to talk about that today. What does Paul and the other writers, mostly Paul, what do they tell us about how to live this Christian life out? And this applies so much to us today because we're realizing now more than ever that the church is not a building. It's not this place that I'm standing. The church is us. It's God's people, all of God's people living together, walking out their faith. That's what this thing is. There's a great cartoon back in the day called Peanuts. Charlie Brown, Lucy, Snoopy, you know, all those guys. Well, there was a great one where Lucy and Linus were out, and Linus was swinging, and he had told Lucy, you want to be a doctor? And she said, there's no way you can be a doctor. You don't like mankind. And Linus said, I, don't, I love mankind. It's people that I can't stand. And, you know, a lot of us kind of feel that way. I love humanity, but I don't like people so much. Well, people are what really make up the church, and people are what the church is made up of. It's what we live together. And so today we're going to talk about these, these letters that are written to churches dealing with specific aspects of how to live this Christian life out. And the epistles are made up of 21 books from the book of Roman all the way up to the book of Jude. And uh, we're going to just talk about a couple of different topics that they cover. Three main topics that they talk about that tell us how to live this Christian life out. Um, it's grace and love and church community. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So first let's talk about grace. You know, the, the Jewish people had grown up in a works-based faith. If you bring the right sacrifices, if you obey the law, then you are found right in God's eyes. That was how they'd done it. And when Jesus came, just like they talked about in that video we just watched, Jesus ended all those sacrifices because He was the perfect sacrifice. Jesus changed all that system when He became the perfect sacrifice for us. And so we don't have to do the laws anymore. We don't have to bring a sheep to the church and have it slaughtered. Thank goodness, because I would not be good at that. All right? We're glad we don't have to do that because Jesus came as the perfect sacrifice for us. And that's this thing called grace. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 10 through 18, the writer says this, God's will was for us to be made holy in the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Did you catch that? Once for all, we're made holy. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sin. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for our sins. Good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, he forever made those who are being made holy. And the Holy Spirit also testifies that it's so. For he says, this is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I'll write them on their minds. Then he says, I never again will remember their sins and their lawless deeds. We need to hear that, don't we? He will never again remember our sins or our lawless deeds. 
and the sins have been forgiven, and there's no need to offer any more sacrifices. Jesus became that perfect sacrifice for us. That's what we call this thing grace. It's undeserved favor, undeserved love. We can never be good enough, but Jesus created a way to the Father through us. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. So guys, we don't have to be good enough anymore. We don't have to try to obey all the laws. We don't have to be good enough. Jesus was good enough for us. Now, do we still need to try? Absolutely. We want to live this thing out in front of people. We want to show them that grace, but we can't ever be good enough. So Paul taught us in all these letters, the new life in grace. Paul taught us what it means to live in grace. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, he says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for doing good things. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Did you hear that word? He said masterpiece. He said we were created to be a masterpiece. Jesus created you and created me and created us to do good works. And it's because of His grace. Now, a lot of times we go one or two ways with grace. Sometimes we try to get salvation. We try to be good enough. We try to earn that salvation by our good works. Some of us are always trying to be good enough. Man, we just wear ourselves out trying to be good enough. And then others take the the older brother. If you remember the story of the prodigal son, the one son took off and lived his own life, and the other brother stayed back. When the younger son came back in shame, the older brother was mad. He said, I've done everything you've asked. I've stayed here this whole time. Why didn't I ever get a party? And the father said, everything has been yours. And so, guys, some of us, we try to earn that goodness. And we try to do that. We try to earn salvation by being good enough. And, guys, we'll never be. That's why we have this amazing grace. That's why we sing about it all the time. So, Paul talks about grace quite a bit. The writer of Hebrews talks about grace. But then we talk about love a lot. Love is one of those words we talk about in church all the time. And I'm not talking kissy, smoochy, romantic love. I'm talking about love for your brothers and your sisters and your family in Christ. Jesus and Paul both emphasize how important love is in the life of a Christian. We're told to love our neighbors first, or love the Lord first, and then love our neighbors like ourselves. Matthew 22:38. Jesus talks about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the second is love your neighbor as yourself. Ephesians 4, Paul talks about always being humble and gentle and being patient with each other, allowing for each other's faults because of your love. So, you know, we call our church a church family. The body of Christ is a family. And what does a family have? Irritating people, right? We all have people that bother us, that irritate us. We're supposed to love them and show God's love to them and forgive them because of the love we've been shown. And the grace we've been shown. And so if I don't show love to other people, I can be the most talented Christian in the world. But it doesn't mean anything if I don't love others. And then Paul shows us that love is more important than faith or talent or even gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about the spiritual gifts. These are things that God gives believers through the power of the Holy Spirit to do. And and there's faith and there's miracles and there's all these amazing things. But he says even more important than that is love. He's saying you can have all the amazing gifts in the world, but if you're not showing love, it doesn't mean anything. He uses one of the most effective transitions I've ever read. Look at what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31. Paul says you should, easily, <laughs> you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. 
Wow, isn't that amazing? He said, you can have all these amazing spiritual gifts. You can give messages in tongues and interpretations. You can prophesy. You can do healings through the power of God in you. But he said, the most important thing, the best way of life is, you guessed it, love. He says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but I didn't love others, I'd be only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans, and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. And then in verse 13 he says, These three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So guys, Paul's saying we can do all kinds of great things in our community. We can feed the poor. We can do all these things. But if we don't love others, it doesn't mean anything. You can have the greatest faith in the world. But if people think you're a jerk, it's probably not going to do much, is it? We have to love one another. Warren Worsby says, truth without love is brutality. And love without truth is hypocrisy. Isn't that good? Truth without love is brutality. And love without truth is hypocrisy. So, Paul shows us that love is more important than all that. And then love shows the world that we are legitimate Christians. In John 13, 35, Jesus says, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. So, guys, when we go out and we share love with other people, we're showing them that we are truly Christians. That we're really the people of God that we say that we are. And that's how they're going to come to know Him. Guys, you know, back in the day in the 70s, Billy Graham could put up a tent and thousands of people would come and listen and they would give their hearts to Christ. That doesn't work anymore. Today, people want to know that you're real. They want to know that the way that you live at school is the same way that you live at church. The way that you live at work is the same as you are in church. The way that you act in church is the same as you are at home. They want to know that. They want to know that we're living this life out the way we say we are. And love is a way that they're going to see that. And then thirdly is community. The Christian life, this life that we're doing, guys, is meant to be lived in community. It's meant to be lived around one another. In Hebrews chapter 10, he's talking to a group of Christians who've been persecuted. They're being, being hounded for their faith. And he says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Listen to this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, how you're saying, Pastor, you're preaching to us in our homes because we're, you know, socially distanced right now because of this virus. I know, guys, I know. But we're still a community. We still have to have each other's backs. We still need to pray for one another. We'll still need to check each other out, check up on each other. We've got phones, right? We can call each other. We can text each other. We can Facebook message one another. We have a church community on Facebook. We can send little notes to each other. We can do all these things. We've got email. We have more ways to connect than ever before. And right now we're realizing how important that one-on-one -on -one is as we're distanced. We're seeing more and more people struggling with depression. So we need to make sure that we're helping each other out, helping each other stay accountable. And that's what Christian does. An effective Christian community helps us grow. We help each other out in this life. In Galatians chapter one or chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, Paul says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin... You who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same, same temptation yourself. Share with each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. So we need to help one another, help each other grow, 
Help each other stay accountable. You know, sometimes we, we all slip. We all make mistakes. And we need those people that will come along and say, hey, I love you, but you're really messing up right now. I want to help you get back on track. You're really hurting your family right now. I want to help you get back on track. You're really not being healthy. Help me. Let me help you out a little bit. We help each other keep sin out of our lives. We help each other stay accountable. We pray for one another. We encourage each other. And in the book of Acts, we see the church, when it first started up, capital C church, all the Christians together, you know what they did? They shared each thing that they had. They helped each other out. If a brother or sister didn't have food, they shared it. If they needed somewhere to stay, they shared it. And the church grew exponentially. It said in Acts that the church grew in favor with God and with other people. They grew in numbers. And so, guys, in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, wrote in verses 9 and 10, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. That's why God put the church together as a community. We've got all generations. We've got all ages. We've got all different kinds of people. And we help one another out. So if you're watching today and you're not a part of a Christian community, a part of a church, I encourage you to get plugged in. Yeah, watching online is fun. You can sit in your pajamas and drink coffee and eat donuts. You know what? You can do that at church too. We have people come in in all sorts and everything else. We want you to be a part of a community. Find a good one to help you grow. And last, an effective Christian community helps us share hope with our town, with our nation, with the people around us, with our world. When a church operates effectively, it's an amazing thing to see when they love one another. I read this story. I've shared it in church once. I want to share it with you again. <clears throat> There's a guy named Tony Campolo. He's a preacher. He was in Hawaii to preach a service. And he had jet lag. He couldn't sleep. So about three in the morning, he went to a cafe. And it was like a real greasy spoon cafe. And he was sitting there eating a donut, drinking coffee. And a group of prostitutes came in. They were dressed really provocatively. And they just surrounded him. He was at the counter. And he heard one of them telling the other, hey, tomorrow's my birthday. I'll be 29. And the lady said, what do you want to do? Throw you a party? And being real nasty to her. And she said, no, no, no. I, I just wanted you to know. You know, you don't have to be mean about it. And so when they left, Tony asked the guy behind the counter. He said, hey, do these, these ladies come in here every night? And he said, yeah. That's Agnes, the one having the birthday tomorrow. And he said, so Agnes will be here tomorrow. And he said, yeah. I said, well, how would you like to do something fun? And the guy said, sure, I'm always up for fun. What do you want to do? He said, I'd like to throw a birthday party. And the guy said, that's actually a great idea. And he called his wife, who was back in the back cooking. He said, hey, this guy wants to throw Agnes a birthday party. And she said, that is fantastic. She said, Agnes is the nicest lady in the world, but people are always mean to her. She's never had a break. So the guy said, I'll, I'll cook the cake. We'll take care of that. And so Tony went that day, and he found a store, and he bought balloons, and he bought decorations. And the next day he came and they set up about 2.30 and they decorated. They put everything together. They put streamers. They put all kinds of stuff up. And at 2.30 the next morning, he was back at the diner. And this is his voice telling. He said, I picked up some crepe paper decorations at the store, made a sign out of big pieces of cardboard that read, Happy Birthday, Agnes. I decorated the diner from one end to the other. I had it looking really good. And about, he said, word got out. He said, at 3.15 in the morning, every prostitute in Honolulu was packed into that diner. And here's a preacher right in the midst of them. And he said, at 3.30 on the dot, the door of the diner swung open. In came Agnes and her friend. I had everybody after all. And when they all came in, we screamed, happy birthday. Never have I seen a person so flabbergasted and stunned and shaken. 
It said her mouth fell open, her legs buckled, her friend grabbed her arm to steady her, and she was led to sit on one of the stools all on the counter. We all sang happy birthday. <clears throat> her eyes moistened, and when then the cake and all the candles came out, she lost it and openly cried. She couldn't even blow out the candles. The owner had to blow the candles out for her. <clears throat> Without looking, taking her eyes off the cake, she slowly said, Look, uh, is it all right if, if uh, I mean, is it okay? I mean, what I want to ask is, is it okay if I keep the cake a little while? I mean, if it's all right, I, if I don't eat it right away? And she said this, I've never had a birthday party in my life. 29 years old, she never had a birthday party. And then she looked, and he said, well, you know, it's your cake. You can take it home if you want to. She looked at the preacher and said, I live just down the street a couple doors. I want to take the cake home. Okay, I'll be right back. I promise. She got off the, school, the stool, picked up the cake, and carrying it like it was the Holy Grail, she walked out towards the door. We all just stood there motionless, and she left. When the door closed, there was a stunned silence in the place. <laughs> Not knowing what else to do, I broke the silence by saying, what do you say we pray? Looking back on it now, it seems more strange for a sociologist to be leading a prayer meeting with a bunch of prostitutes in a diner in Honolulu at 3.30 in the morning. But I just felt like it was the right thing to do. I prayed for Agnes. I prayed for her salvation. I prayed that her life would be changed and that God would be good to her. When I finished, Harry leaned over the counter and with a trace of hostility in his voice said, Hey, you never told me you were a preacher. What kind of church do you belong to anyway? It was one of those moments when just the right words came. I answered, I belong to a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning. Harry waited a moment, and he almost sneered, and he said, No, you don't. There's no church like that. If there was, I'd join a church like that. So, guys, let's be that kind of church. Let's be those kind of people that reach out to those that no one else wants. A great preacher down in Phoenix, Arizona, he always says, If you go for the people that no one else wants, God will send all the people that everyone wants. We want to reach out to those people that don't have anyone else to love them. That's what the church is meant to do. That's what Paul and James and all the other writers in the New Testament said. We are the church. It's not a building. The church isn't this structure. It's not the structure across town or the Baptists or the Catholics or the Methodists. The church is the people. The church is people who belong to God and love one another and love their community. And that's what we want to be. That's why we want to decorate our sidewalks and say, hey, join us online for Easter. That's why I want to hang up door hangers and say, hey, I'm here for you. If you need anything, call me. So I encourage you to do that. I encourage you guys to reach out and be the church. And if you're watching today and you don't have a relationship with Christ, I'm going to say a prayer here in just a moment. And you can repeat that prayer with me. And if you say this prayer, you say, Lord, I need you. I want you to forgive me of all my sins. I want you to make me right with you. I want to live for you. God will change your heart. He will make you a brand new person. Paul says that all the old things are gone and the new has come. So would you pray with me today? If you've never asked Christ into your life, this is an opportunity for you to do to make the best decision you'll ever make in your life. So dear Jesus, I just pray that you come into my life today and change me. I thank you that you love me even when I'm not good enough because I know I never can be. Lord, I admit that I've made mistakes. I've messed up. And I pray that today you come into my life and change my heart and make me new. Help me to live for you every day of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you, if you prayed that prayer, the Bible says that God has made you completely new. I'm going to pray. I'm going to give just a couple more announcements and we'll be done. So, Father, I pray you'd help us today to be the church, to be the body of Christ. We know that the church is not a building. It's not about being part of a, a denomination or anything like that. It's being part of God's family. And I pray that today you'd help us to be your church, to reach out into our community, to our neighbors, to the people that no one else even notices. Help us to share your love with them to live in that grace, to live in that love, and to build up that Christian community around us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Hey, I want to thank you guys for joining us today on Palm Sunday. Remember, next Sunday is Easter. You can come Thursday and pick up communion supplies, or you can have your own at home. I know some of you would rather have your own stuff. You can do that. Also, I encourage you, if you want to keep supporting the church, we need your support at this time. You can go to our website, lexag.org donate. Uh, there's a tablet there at the top that says donate. You can click that. You can give online. You can mail it in, 1304 North Adams in Lexington, or... You can drop it by the church office. We're here Monday through Thursday. You can drop that off. Um, guys, know that we're praying for you in this time. And this is an opportunity for us to be the church like we've never had before. As people are separated, as they're distanced, they're realizing they need that community. And that's why God has us here, to share hope. So I'll see you guys next Sunday, right here at 1030 on Facebook and YouTube or on LexAG.org. Thanks for being here.